Welcome to the Revolution Sports Podcast. This is your host, Tyler Wood. Thank you for joining us today. It is conference championship week in college football, and I know a lot of people say that their favorite week is always the week when all the rivals go at it in the last week of the regular season. But for me, conference championship week, to me, outside of the college football playoff, is my favorite week. Usually you get to see the two best teams from each conference. I mean, from yeah, from each conference come in, play against each other. It's the best of the best, and there's always some type of playoff spot on the line, playoff implications, whatever you want to call it. And to me, that just makes it so much more fun than, I mean, a lot of times there's no stakes when it comes down to rivalry week, but here there's always stakes. You got a, not just a conference title, but with the playoff implications as well. And we got four different matchups that play into that. We're going to talk about three and break down the three biggest, and then I'll give you the quick picks on the rest of the Power Five. Um, well, the rest, I say say that Oregon and Utah played last night, so today just going to give you the rest of them. Um, but with that said, though, first matchup we're going to look at, this one is, I would say it's about third when it comes down to, out of the out of the four, when it comes down to playoff implications. The reason I say that is this is Michigan and Iowa. You got number two Michigan, 11-1, versus number 13 Iowa, who is 10-2. Obviously, both won their respective divisions. This game is going to be at 8 o'clock Eastern time on Fox. So late game, surprisingly, in the Big Ten. Usually this is your big noon game where the two best you know, the best games in the, in the Big Ten are played on Fox. But thankfully, they have a night game. So that, to me, night games are always more fun. Whether that's midday, tonight, those are always so much better than waking up watching a noon game. So not really, not really looking forward as much to the Baylor and Oklahoma State game just because of that. Obviously, it's still going to be a good one. But just wish the most of these games would be played at night. I mean, they deserve that type of atmosphere. But anyways, the reason why I feel like this game just has so much of an implication, I mean, you got number two, they lose, they drop out. And if that happens, though, does the Big Ten get anyone in? That's just a question. But uh, it's, that, to me, is just so big. But it's not just big because of that. It's also big because I feel like this is a very defining moment for Jim Harbaugh there at at Michigan. He beat Ohio State. That was the first hurdle he had to clear, and he did it. He finally did it. It took him a couple of years, but he finally was able to do it. Now the question is, since you've beaten Ohio State, can you take Michigan all the way? Can you at least get them into the play? And I say all the way. I don't know if anyone's really expecting Michigan to actually win the title this year. I mean, they obviously got a good shot because they I mean, they have a good defense. They got a decent offense. But I'm, I wouldn't say they're still, like, top two favorites. I still say the top two favorites right now are going to be Georgia and, and Alabama. Obviously, that game will be be played as well this week. But outside of them, I say Michigan's there. But at the same time, though, it's just just if you can actually get them in the playoff is the next step after Ohio State. And if you get them into the playoff, I think people in Michigan will finally settle down, believe, say, hey, he got us to this point. If he can continue to recruit well, get the players he wants in there, and be able to build his system with his new staff that he has there, I think Michigan's got a lot of potential to continue to grow. So to me, this one's got just a lot more to it. You got a Big Ten title, a playoff spot on the line, and then you got just your career and the future of that program on the line for this one. Because if you lose this, it goes from can Michigan beat Ohio State to can Michigan ever make the playoff? Because that's the type of narrative that's going to continue to happen uh, when it comes down to when it comes down to this. So in this matchup, though, there's a lot of factors with it, but the biggest one is going to be defense. I mean, both teams have strong defenses. 
We've seen that all year. Michigan, we saw it against Ohio State. We've saw it, I mean, just throughout the whole year in whatever game they played. They've held teams to low-scoring games. The same thing can be said about Iowa, though. They have been fantastic on defense. The only thing that has cost them games this year, and the two that they have lost, has definitely been their offense. Their offense only averages 25 points a game. They're only giving up 17 a game, which is good. Um but that's what's killed them. I mean, when you're only winning games by eight points, I mean, it's you're going to be in a lot of close games, and when that happens, anybody can win, and that's what's happened in their two games that they've lost. And so for this one, it's just going to be so defensive-minded. I know Michigan is scoring 37 points a game. That's what their stats show, and I know they put up a lot of points on Ohio State last week, but this is going to be in a different atmosphere. You're not going to be at home. It's not your rival, and you're coming off that big win. I honestly have to caution them against, and I wouldn't say put them necessarily on upset alert, but they have to be very cautious about not having a letdown because you did all that work. You beat Ohio State, who is the number two team in the country. Can you continue to perform at the level you need to to be able to win the Big Ten title game against a team that is just going to be happy to be there? They, I mean, they didn't even know if they were going to be in it after last week, after they won their game last week. It took a Wisconsin loss for them to jump in there. So now, I mean, you lose this game, everyone's expecting you to lose this game. I mean, you're playing carefree. You're just going out there and playing ball. I mean, that's just – so that's that's Iowa's mindset. They can do anything – and it doesn't matter. They could get blown out. No one's going to care. I mean, that's just that t- they, that free atmosphere that they have. Michigan, everything's on the line. And so I have to caution them against a letdown. That I, I mean, I hate to say it, but I would not be surprised to see it happen if they did have a letdown. It just seems like any time Jim Harbaugh's been there, if they've won a big game, they've turned around and find a way to goof up a game they shouldn't. And they easily should be able to, to beat Iowa. Their offense is better. Defenses are very, very similar. Um, I would say Michigan's back end, their their secondary is a little bit worse than what Iowa is. And that's why I'm giving Iowa a shot in this game when no one else is, is because I've seen how well that that back end and that secondary can do. I mean, they have picked off quarterbacks all year, and they've been able to score with their defense. That has not been the problem. Like I said, it's their offense. But their defense, I feel like, can keep them in this game. They, only, they hold teams when it comes to rushing yarders. They only allow offensively for rushing yarders, they only allow 105 rushing yards a game. To me, that's great. I mean, that's not some of the levels that some of the other defenses are at right now, which is understandable, but 105 is still really good. And that was what Michigan killed Ohio State with last week. That's what we know their offense is built off of with Haskins there. That's what they want to do. They want to run it at you, and they want to run it a lot. So they can be able to stop the run. But like I said, at the same time, though, they've done phenomenal against defending against the, in the passing game as well. So the question is, do you trust Cade McNamara to be able to win you a football game if things get tight in that matchup, which I'm expecting a very low-scoring game with this. And I don't think Michigan's going to get 40-plus points. I don't even know if they're going to break 30. I'm not giving them 30 in this, but I think it's going to be very low-scoring. So do you trust Cade McNamara to be able to win you a game? And that's why I just caution against just going ahead and saying this matchup is a lot because I just don't know. And But going back to the biggest thing in this matchup, if Iowa's offense can step up playing carefree, they got a good shot in this one. With Spencer Petras, I mean, he's hurt them a good bit, a, quite a good bit this year with his six interceptions. He's not a great downfield passer. He's been all right in the medium-range game, but they're going to have to – I mean, he's going to have to do a lot. We saw where C.J. Stroud was able to actually get plenty of yards on Michigan's defense – through the passing game, I mean, almost through, I mean, basically through 400 yards in that game last week. 
can Spencer Petras step up? And I know he's not going to give you 400 yards. That would be a miracle if he gave you that because he's not that type of quarterback. But can he give you a good, strong game of 2, 250, be at a kit for a couple of touchdowns? If he can do that, and there's a possibility there because of C- I mean, I know C.J. Stroud and that Ohio State offense is a different animal, but playing freely, if he can give you that, Iowa's got a good shot in this matchup. So that one is going to be – this is definitely going to be a fun one to watch. But – Coming down to that quarterback play, can Cade McNamara win you a game? Can Spencer Petras step up for Iowa? So it's going to come down on this quarterbacks. We know both of them got good running backs with Haskins and Goodson, um, both 1,000-yard rushers. But that's what it's, just, what it's going to come down to. You're going to have lots of defense and just which offense can step up in the right moments and be able to take control. Um, but it's going to be a good one. Everything's on the line, so I'm interested to see how – how Michigan comes out and performs with this much pressure. I mean, that's another factor as well. You're, you just get moved up to number two after winning that. You have all the pressure on you. I mean, if, say, Georgia loses to Alabama, I would expect Alabama to jump to one, but there's still the possibility Michigan can, Michigan can move up to number to number uh, number one as well if they win this game and they do it convincingly. So, I mean, there's a lot of pressure in this matchup as well. Being number two, can you you know handle the pressure and can you do what you're supposed to do? So a lot of interesting factors in this matchup. But even with that said, though, I'm still going to go with Michigan in this matchup. Being a night game, just so many different factors in this. I still think they're the better team. I'm going to say low scoring. I'm going to go Michigan 24-14. to 14. That game is going to be at 8 o'clock on Fox PM, by the way. Um Right now, I forgot to mention this when I first opened up with this game. Michigan, as of right now, is an 11-point favorite. So, definitely going to be a fun one to watch. Don't miss that one. There's not too many late that late of games on tomorrow night. But that's the one I'm definitely going to have on. Next game up, we have Baylor, number 9 Baylor, 10-2 and two versus number 5 Oklahoma State, 11-1. and one. This game is going to be at noon on ABC, and as of right now, Oklahoma is a five. Oklahoma State is a five and a half point favorite. This matchup right here is also another one that has a lot of implications for Oklahoma State. That's why I have it second. But this one has a lot of a, a couple of different factors in it. It's not just about Oklahoma State; it is about Baylor as well, because Baylor. They're the team I feel like at number nine right now. If they could win this one and then some stuff happens up front in the four spot, and you have an 11-2 conference champion, they could possibly, and I know people are going to call me crazy for this, they could possibly, if things get real crazy, find themselves slipping in there. You win that matchup at number nine, they're number five, you could find yourself moving up eventually to that point, but if people in front of you lose, you could slide in there. So don't count Baylor out, and I think they understand this as well. Oklahoma State understands if they win this, they got a very, very good shot at winning this because someone's got to come out of that top. Someone's going to come out of that top four unless Alabama beats Georgia. If Alabama beats Georgia, everyone else wins Cincinnati and uh, Michigan. More than likely, you're keeping that same top four. Georgia just slide down to three. Basically, Alabama and Georgia could potentially switch spots. Uh, Maybe Michigan size one. I don't, I don't know if that happens. I said there's that potential there. I wouldn't be surprised, though, to see Alabama jump to one just so they don't have that matchup again. We would have a Michigan and Georgia matchup. But the top four has potential to hold state. I don't fully believe that top four is going to hold. I think something's going to happen. So if Oklahoma State wins this, it, I would not be surprised to see them. I mean, I would think they were going to be in the playoff. Here's another thing some some people aren't talking about. And I know I'm getting off track from breaking down the game, but this uh, this has been very interesting to me. 
right now, if Oklahoma State wins this game, you're twelve and one. You're the Big Twelve champion, and you would be left out of the playoff if the top four holds steady. Like I said, if Alabama beats Georgia, you wouldn't even get in with that one with that one loss. You've played good teams all year. You've played a Power Five schedule. Cincinnati has not played a Power Five schedule. Their best win is against a a non no conference team in Notre Dame. While Notre Dame is still sitting at six, it's a good win. But that's your best win all year. And, I mean, I know Cincinnati's undefeated, but you're not playing a Power 5 schedule. Oklahoma State is. We've seen where they've penalized Cincinnati for that non-conference, I mean, for that non-Power 5 schedule. It took them forever to get into the top five. We saw where they started out at six and had to work their way up. And they finally slipped in there because teams in front of them lost. So the question is, though, would they consider having Oklahoma State jump Cincinnati just because they have that, and they have that big that Big Twelve uh, conference title. To me, I would not be shocked if they did. I know a lot of people would be shocked, and they probably have an uproar. That's the only reason why I'm not fully on board with with them thinking they're going to do that. Just because, to me, this committee hasn't looked like they've they've had any guts when it comes to putting the top four where, they, where they're supposed to. They haven't dropped Alabama low when they've looked bad this year. They just really had not had any guts to me. So I would not be surprised if they just held with Cincinnati. I would like to see Oklahoma State over Cincinnati because they are part of a Power Five. They play a better schedule. Um, so for me, that's why that. But I would not be surprised to still see that happen in the committee's eyes as well, seeing how they haven't penalized or how they have penalized Cincinnati for having playing that non-Power 5 schedule. But this matchup right here, uh, this is another good one, another good defensive battle you're going to see. Two teams real good on defense. We know Dave Aranda has done a great job with Baylor there, transforming that team into a top-10 team this year. And then Oklahoma State on the other side, we know how they've had a good defense all year until they played Oklahoma last week. That was the worst defensive performance that they've had all year. They gave up almost 200 yards rushing in that game. I mean – they had they gave up three touchdowns in the first half to Caleb Williams from Oklahoma, so they ended up finding a way to win that. But they found a way to win that based off of the uh, the legs of their quarterback and Spencer Peters. I mean, not Spencer Peters, excuse me, Spencer Sanders. And the thing is, they're going to have to find some rushing attack from him as well in this one to be able to beat the Bears, because Baylor is good at defending the rush. They're good at defending the pass, or they're decent at defending the pass. Excuse me. Um, but the defense is going to be good. It's a Dave Aranda coach team. We know they're going to be ready to play. And this is another one. You got two losses. Yes, you got something to play for. But at the same time, though, similar style. I mean, you're you take a loss here. You just go to three losses. You're not even technically supposed to even be in this this Big Twelve title game. But you are playing freely. That makes them dangerous in this matchup. The question for me, when it comes down to Baylor, if they're going to be able to win this game at all. I mean, it's only a six and a, I mean, a five and a half point spread. So you're sitting here. It, a lot of people are expecting it to be close. I expect it to be close as well. But the question to me is if Gary Bohannon's going to be able to go today. We haven't heard yet. But for him, I mean, he's been a big factor in their offense as a whole. We saw where he was able. He's able to run the ball against Oklahoma. So you have that dual threat ability with him. He's been decent passing the ball down the field. He's kept his turnovers low, which is good. So he adds a different element to the offense when he's in. And then on top of it, you have that defense. If he's there, they got a good shot to be able to upset Oklahoma State. But 
Oklahoma State, if their defense plays one of their better efforts, that's going to help them out. But I'm not as confident in them right now as I have been just because of how their defense struggled against Oklahoma. I know Oklahoma plays a different style. I know their spread. I, I mean, I know they do all this different type of stuff, and then you got a game changer with Caleb Williams there. I understand all that. But it just was a very uncharacteristic where Oklahoma was just able to run it right at them on some occasions, and they just were not able to stop the rush. And so you're going to play a team in Baylor where, where Gary Bohannon is good. He's in the passing game. He's been be- better in the rushing game. And then you got a, a running back in Smith who's given you almost 1,400 yards rushing and 12 touchdowns. He's been phenomenal. Just a whole rushing attack from Baylor has been what's carried them this whole year. So I don't expect too much to change when it comes down to that. So you got a rushing attack that's going to come at you. You got a, you're supposedly supposed to have a good rushing defense in Oklahoma State. It broke down last week. Can you get back on track this week? If you can, you're in good shape. But if you can't, I mean, you may find yourself in another one of these dogfights that you don't want to be in, especially with the type of chances that they have. And so, once again, I'm not saying Oklahoma State's on upset alert. I'm just saying be careful because Baylor has got a decent matchup for you. I mean, you're going to put strength on strength. So it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. But right now, five and a half point favorite. I mean, that seems pretty pretty reasonable to me. So I'm going to go even closer though in this matchup, just because of those factors. If Gary Bohannon plays, I feel like it'll be this close. If he doesn't play, I would expect Oklahoma State to take it by a little bit more, just because I don't trust their backup as much. So if Bohannon plays, I'm still going to go with Oklahoma State though. But I think it'll be close. I'm going to go Oklahoma State. 31 to 28, so Baylor with 28. Uh, but if Gary Bohannon doesn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see it be a 31-21, something around that that level. But this is going to be a fun one. This is at noon, so it's going to be that noon game. Not, like I said, not a big fan of that noon game, but that's where it's at. But with that said, though, we talked about these two matchups. I'll give you my quick picks at the end, but we're going to talk about the last matchup. And as everyone probably already assumed, it's going to be this Georgia and Alabama matchup. we got number one Georgia, who's 12-0. Versus number three Alabama, who is eleven and one. Georgia right now is a six and a half point favorite. This game is going to be at four p.m. Eastern time on CBS, and so this is the matchup that everyone expected all year. It's, I mean, it was the predicted SEC title game in preseason. Uh, both teams basically just looked like they were going to be on a collision course from the very beginning, but the roles kind of reversed throughout the season. Everyone thought Alabama was going to be this dominant team. And then Georgia was going to kind of be coming into their own. And then they'd meet up and it'd be a good game. And Alabama was the predicted conference winner. But the roles have completely reversed. They expected Alabama to dominate this year. Georgia has absolutely dominated and cruised all year into this. And so now you find Alabama who struggled to come into their own. And they're coming in here off of a four-overtime win against Auburn. Which a game they were in favored by 21 in. So... I mean, two different teams coming in at two different points, but they've both won like they're supposed to. Alabama has found a way to get there. They've won when they're supposed to. So looking at this matchup, let's break it down real quick. This one, I mean, we all know where the matchup is that everyone wants to watch. It's going to be this Georgia defense against this Alabama offense. We know how good Georgia's defensive front is. We know how dominant they've been on that side of the ball. Not even they're not even letting opponents. They're playing by an average or holding teams to an average of six point nine points per game. That's what the average is right now. So I mean, you're not even basically giving up a touchdown on defense all year, and you're going to play an offense that averages the most in the SEC with forty two points a game. I mean, getting almost five hundred yards a game. They've been great in the passing game. 
The problem that was kind of exposed throughout this year, their rushing game has been very iffy, so they only averaged about 150 there. So, I mean, this is the matchup right here. I mean, Georgia only giving up 78 rushing yards a game. So that plays right into Georgia's favor against a rushing attack that hasn't been that great. And they're only giving up 151 yards passing in the passing game, which has been a huge improvement compared to last year. That's where teams were able to get Georgia last year. But now, I mean, they've been phenomenal in that. We haven't seen a quarterback really be able to just shred them like a lot of people thought that we might see a couple of times. But they've just been dominant in every facet. But you're walking in and you're going to play probably the best quarterback, I would say, in the country in Bryce Young. He does everything well that you'd want to see. He knows how to manage a game. He doesn't stay down for long. And then on top of it, you top it off with he's got two of the better receivers in the country and Mechie and then Jamison Williams. Jamison Williams, to me, is the better receiver. And I think it showed a little bit in the Auburn matchup last week. He was out with targeting for the second half, but he'll be fully available for this game against Georgia. One of the big factors for Alabama in this, like I said, they don't their rushing attack hasn't been that great this year. It's been very up and down, but it gets even worse for them when it comes down to this matchup because they're only down to one scholarship running back for this matchup, Trey Sanders. And so their starter, Brian Robinson Jr., he is out for this one after getting injured. So I mean, this matchup just kind of took a turn. It's kind of just placed right into Georgia's favor with not having that rushing attack. So you're basically going to force Bryce Young to be able to throw the ball all game. So the question is for Alabama is can you be able to get space for your receivers and give Bryce Young the time to be able to throw the ball down the field? And for me, I'm going to say no. And we saw it last week against Auburn. We saw it against LSU. We saw it against A&M. We've seen it countless times throughout the year where that right side of that offensive line has absolutely broke down and people have been able to get after George. I mean, get after Bryce Young. And Georgia is going to send everybody they have on that bench, on that front line. I mean, the way they rotate guys in, they're going to throw everyone at him. And I would not be surprised to see him be on the ground, I mean, a good majority of the game. I mean, if. Auburn can give seven sacks on Bryce Young. What can Georgia do is the question. Auburn's defense was very underrated this whole entire year. A lot of people didn't want to give them credit. I was not surprised to see Auburn play that well. I mean, I expected Auburn to lose that game by more than what they did. I wasn't surprised to see their defense be able to do what they did, though. I figured Alabama's offense would just be able to figure it out at some point a little bit sooner than what they did. They weren't able to. Because, I mean, just Auburn played a better game. But I wasn't surprised by how well Auburn got against them, especially against that line. Like I said, we've seen it countless times. But it just happened last week. It just, I mean, it happened on a national stage where everyone's watching. So you have Georgia. You have Jordan Davis taking on that middle. They're going to have to double-team Jordan Davis. There's no doubt about it. So that's going to leave so many other people with Isaiah Carter. I mean, you can go down the list. They got players all around that's going to be able to come after the quarterback. I expect them to shut down the run game. You're probably going to have to see Bryce Young be able to pass the ball 45, 50 times in this matchup if they're going to have a chance. And to me, that's not a good recipe for success when you play this type of defense. Can Bryce Young win a game with that? Obviously he can. We've seen it before. But it becomes even harder when you play a defense of this magnitude. So that is the matchup that everyone wants to see. But for me, I think the one that's going to decide it, though, is going to be on the other side of the ball. And that's because we're going to see a Georgia offense that is, to me, is very underrated because no one ever talks about them. They want to talk about Alabama's offense. They want to talk about what they do so well. But no one ever talks about what Georgia does well. 
and they don't want to talk about the fact that they really don't have many holes on that whole entire offense. And then you look at Alabama's defense, and they're giving up 20 points a game this year, and they're giving up basically 300 yards total allowed, but their passing game has what's gotten them. Their rush defense has been decent, but their passing offense, I mean, passing defense this year has been kind of skeptical this year. So that's why I say the question that's going to come down to this matchup, can Stetson Bennett step up and be able to make plays down the field that he's going to have to? So, that I mean, for me, that's going to be the biggest question that, I mean, is going to have to be answered for Georgia. It's been the question that has needed to be answered all year for Georgia, but no one's really been able to challenge them. I think this will be the closest game that Georgia's had to play in all year because Alabama's good. I mean, they're a good football team. So, can Stetson Bennett step up, make the downfield throw, and challenge this Alabama secondary, be able to open up the run game a little bit so Georgia can continually pound and pound and pound like they always do. So, I mean, Georgia's offense has been great. I mean, 40 points a game to Alabama's 42. They're, I mean, getting 450 yards a game to Alabama's 490. 240 yards in the passing game a game, and then you have 200 yards plus in the rushing yards department. In the rushing yards department, you got a very balanced offense, so they can hit you from both ways. So if you want to stack the box, we've seen where they have stacked the box against Stetson Bennett. From different teams have this year. He's stepped up. I mean, I'm not the biggest. I guess you would say if I was the coach, Stetson Bennett may not be starting for me, but I'm not the coach. I would have JT Daniels in there and see how he was doing. We haven't really seen him much since he's got injured. But to me, Stetson Bennett has stepped up in big moments when he's needed to. I mean, it's not like he hadn't played nobody. We saw him big-time matchups against ranked teams where he stepped up and played well. And so he can throw the ball down the field, and he's going to have to do it because I would not be surprised to see them stack the box because that gives him opportunities one-on-one where he's going to have to be able to hit some throws against some of these Alabama defenders. So I think that's what you'll see a little bit. And then on top of it, uh, he gives you the option – to be able to run the well, to be able to run the option with a quarterback there at Georgia, which we haven't seen before, because Georgia's used to a pocket passer who sits in there and manages the offense. But Stetson Bennett, he can go out there, he can run the football, he can turn a broken play into something, which is not something that Georgia's had, and it's played to their benefit at times this year. And it's going to be another one of these games where it's probably going to play into their benefit because. No one's really been able to game plan for that this year because it just seems like even when teams have known that he's he can run, it just seems like he still hurts them. And we've seen that against Auburn. We saw it against Tennessee. We've seen it where he just goes and they run that option play and he's able to get 30 yards that can just change a game and fire up the offense and they're ready to go. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see that either. And the only, I mean, Alabama's, don't get me wrong, has good defenders, but they don't have that game changer outside of Will Anderson. And he's an absolute game changer. But the problem is, though, when you have a tight, the tight ends that Georgia has, you could run a double tight end set and have a guy like Brock Bowers or Darnell Washington match up with him, and you could potentially help double team a guy. If it double team him, if you need, if you need to, because you have the type of personnel at Georgia to be able to take him out of the game. I mean, you double team a guy all night. Who else are you going to send after? You know, send after the quarterback and be able to get there because Stetson Bennett, he's quick, he can evade. So to me, this is, just seems overall like a, just a nightmare matchup for Alabama. And it's tough for me to say that though because Alabama has been Alabama. I mean, for so long, you don't expect them to. You don't expect to see them vulnerable, but they are very vulnerable this year. And We've seen it. They've been in the three straight conference ga- last three conference games that they played in. They were all one possession games. I mean, the rest of the way, and so 
I would not be surprised to see if this game went south for them quick quickly. But like I said, with that Alabama factor there, I got to say they're going to have a shot. You can never just say that Nick Saban is not going to have a shot in this game. So I'm not going to keep them out of it, but I would not be su- surprised to see Georgia take control of this game quickly. They've dominated everyone, and they've done it for a reason. I know a lot of people like to say they haven't played anybody. That's not true. Go look at their schedule. They've played three top 20, current top 25 teams and dominated them by multiple points. I mean, you see the Clemson matchup. you got the Arkansas matchup. You got the uh, – I'm trying to think who else that's in there. I mean, there's so, there's someone else that's in that back end over there. But just so many different matchups where they've been able to dominate teams. Other ones that were top 25 matchups that have dropped out. But it doesn't matter. I mean, they could play no one. But the way that they have been able to just win by 30, 40-plus points every single matchup, that's what a good team does. doesn't matter who you play. They take control of the game early, and they run it out, and they, I mean, just absolutely dominate you, hit you in the mouth, and control it. So I would not be surprised to see that happen in this game. But with that said, though, I'm not going to count Alabama out whatsoever because, once again, they're Alabama, and they got the best quarterback in the country, best coach in the country. So I'm going to say in this matchup, I'm going to go Georgia 30, Alabama 20. I think Georgia get the the <clears> – <throat> I think Georgia will at least get three touchdowns and then kick a couple of field goals. Alabama, I think they'll be able to be the same scenario, get two touchdowns, get two field goals. I think it, you'll see at times where the defenses will be able to step up. I don't think it'll be just an offensive blowout. Um, it would just be a matter of if Georgia continually gets pressure on Bryce Young, will they be able to score enough to make it a close game? So that to me, that's the question um, for the main question, but another one is that Stetson Bennett, can he step up and be able to run this offense just as well as they have all year? So definitely that's the top matchup for me that I'm going to be watching, not just because I'm a Georgia fan, and I don't pick biasly. I'm I'm what I like to tell people. I've been talking about it all week. I'm very cautiously optimistic when it comes to this because we've seen where Alabama has had Georgia's number multiple times. That still worries me. That's why I'm not just going to straight out, you know, I just expect Georgia to win. I don't just expect Georgia to win, but if we're going off of statistics and how the teams match up, this seems like a nightmare scenario for Alabama. But, like I said, best coach in the country, best quarterback, they got a shot. So, quick picks real quick. The rest of the games got just two quick picks because of the Oregon-Utah game being played last night. Have number one – I mean, that's not number one, excuse me. Got number four, Cincinnati, versus number 21, Houston. This is another big decider because, obviously, if – Cincinnati wins this one. Some people are saying they're a lock. I don't fully believe that, but I think they got a good shot of getting in if they win. But I'm going to go upset alert on this one just because Cincinnati hasn't played a really good team in a while. I think Houston has the offense to be able to keep their defense uncomfortable. It's a conference championship week. We've seen a lot of scenarios where anything happens in these. I'm going to go with Houston in this one, and I hope Houston does win because I'm not a big fan of the non-Power 5 teams getting in. Just because you don't play the schedule – I don't. I think if they play anybody in the playoff, I think Cincinnati's going to get blown out. Just to be honest with you, so I'm hoping Houston wins. I wouldn't be surprised to see Houston win. So I'm going to go with them in this matchup because Houston's good. I mean, they're ranked number 21 for a reason. I mean, they're they're 11 and one. They've only lost one game. So I'm going to go Houston 38 to 34 and send send Cincinnati packing for the rest of the year. Other matchup got. Number 15, Pittsburgh Panthers. They're 10-2 versus Wake Forest, who is 10-2. Going to be a good one. Don't expect any defense whatsoever. I know some people want to say, oh, Pittsburgh's defense isn't terrible. This this game's going to be a complete offensive shootout. I'm going to go Wake Forest, though. If it's going to be that type of game, I'm going to go with Wake Forest. We've seen where their offense has been phenomenal all year. The only thing that has kept them from being able to compete for a playoff spot has been their defense. 
I'm going to go Wake Forest, go 48-45, going to be another good one. So that one's a late game as well. So a lot of fun matchups. And just tomorrow is Selection Sunday, so we'll find out how the playoff is going to shake out. We'll have a really good idea tonight. We'll release our top four and our final, uh, I guess you say, final rankings before the the playoffs and the bowl season start. So we'll have our final rankings before then. And then we'll have some some bowl uh, previews and prediction, and then we'll also have a college football playoff preview and prediction. Um, so gonna be some fun stuff coming up, but we're right here at the end of the season. It's went by so fast. I'm not ready for it to be over with, but this is the best games of the year. So this is what you wait for all year, and we'll be waiting basically another year to get to this point. So that's the only downside to it, but you love it when it happens. It's the best couple hours, the best day of the of the years for me when you have these type of matchups. So going to be a good one. Hope everybody enjoys them. Thank you for listening today, and we will see you in the next one.